one, two, three. Should we do it like an old school TV show? Here, check this out. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Previously on the Untitled Beatles podcast. <laughs> well, we just went too long, so we had to do two-parter. We recorded <laughs> nine hours of our All Things Must Pass uh, diatribe, and we broke it into two episodes. You heard episode one last week and this week. <laughs> on Unsolved Beetle Mysteries. <laughs> don't worry, Kyoko. Mom was only looking for a hand in the snow. I butchered that title, and I don't care. <laughs> Untitled Beatles Podcast. Beware of darkness. Watch out now, take a beware of falling swingers Falling all around you The pain that often lingers in your Side three opens with Beware of Darkness, Beware of Abco. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I don't think Beware of Abco uh, made its way into the final (laughs) version of this, but certainly he (laughs) sang it during the Alan Klein debacle of the Beatles management in that last year. But let's say what it is. Uh, Sorry. Abco is, uh, it's, it's, uh, I wrote it down. It's Alan Klein. It's Alan and is it Bonnie, his wife? The B is his wife's name. I wrote it down, but I I've, I can't find it at the moment. But that that was the, uh, the their company that they handled the stones, they handled the animals, yeah. and when I say handled, I mean that they turned them upside down and then <laughs> shook all the money out. <laughs> <off. laughs> right. yeah, they did. So they were grifters and they scumbags. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Alan Klein. And, yeah, and uh, Alan Klein was always bad news. And where I give Paul McCartney so much credit is Paul McCartney was the only one in the Beatles who looked at the other three and went, you guys, yeah. Klein is a fucking shyster. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, he's going to, he's great. He's going to save us. He only wants to take 48%. Mm. There's a great clip in the anthology. I think it's the anthology. There's so many interviews. I forget what's what, <laughs> yeah. where Paul's explaining the whole Alan Klein thing. And he's like, Paul goes, we're the Beatles. We're a big act. We'll tell Klein what to take. And yeah. they're like, nope. Alan Klein's got to have 68%. And Paul McCartney's like, why the fuck do we have to do this for? So yeah. Paul McCartney, history's validated Paul McCartney for his intransigence with uh, with not wanting Alan Klein anywhere near their finances. Yeah. Alan and Betty Klein, I found it. Betty. Yeah. So Beware of Darkness. And this, so this is written while the, the Krishnas were actually staying with him at Friar Park. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a, there's a spiritual you know, element to this. The, uh, this is the beginning of the, a lot of his spiritual over material quandary that he found himself in, in a 120 room mansion. (laughs) (laughs) Owned by previously Sir Frankie Crisp, which we'll get into. We'll get into. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, beware of Maya is something he does say. He changes Abco to Maya and that means illusion. I had to look that up. 
Well, he also, with all due respect to a lot of our friends in SNL, dude hated Maya Rudolph. I mean, he was not... I'll do respect. I'll do respect. <laughs> I love, respectfully, go fuck yourself. I love that. I, I, I like this song. I will say I think I do prefer... I mean, yeah, I prefer that, uh, the, the Beware of Abco version, the demo version. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, because this one's a bit overproduced, and I I don't know for for certain if Spectre's heavy hand was involved in this, but this one is a bit sluggish and overproduced. This is kind of I mean it's it's a great song, and I love the message, but it's not my favorite George Harrison song. It opens it opens quote unquote side three on a bit of a kind of a mellow note. Yeah, that doesn't really pick up till the next song, which is so joyous and such a weird tribute. Should we segue to the next one? Anything more in Beware of Darkness? Yeah, let's do it. Apple Scruff's a tribute to what George used to call the people hanging out around... Um, Abbey Road. Around where the Beatles recorded, around Abbey Road. Yeah. yeah. They were at Apple Scruff's. These, these kids... Who, and I think they, I think there's some singing background on this too. I think there, there's a cool involvement of some of them. You, I think so. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Here's what I do know is that when he recorded it, he actually brought them in to give it a listen. That's right. I might have been conflating stories. Maybe, maybe. Next on Geraldo Rivera's conflating <laughs> stories, we'll take facts and fuck them. Next on Fox News. <laughs> yeah, but when he brought him in, he said something along the lines of like, you've you know you've got your own fanzine and you've got your own uh, this and that. And now you've got your own song. I love this song. And this is just George. And then that tapping, that's Mal Evans, which is why the beat moves around a little at the beginning there. Right. <laughs> we should have learned watching Mal incorrectly bang a fucking anvil on Maxwell's hammer while giggling. Oh, Mal. Oh, poor Mal. I, I, I will say this begins a run of, I just want to throw this out here. One of like my favorite few songs on the album because I love Apple Scruffs. I do too. I love the the next three songs are my favorite songs on the album. So even though I don't love Love Beware of Darkness, side three is about I think it's my favorite side of maybe any solo Beatles album. I really do. And this version of Apple Scruffs that we hear on the record is it's longer than how it was recorded. They did what they did, Phil, with I Me Mine. Yeah. He took a part of it and lengthened it out and well that's Phil Spector he lengthened it (laughs) (laughs) yes he did (laughs) and uh, oddly enough one of the things I love so much about the Beatles legacy is the last Beatles song to be recorded and mixed or excuse me mixed I don't think recorded the last Beatles song to ever be mixed was I Me Mine yeah, yeah. Or was it For You Blue? I forget. Uh, I don't know, man. It was I, a George song. I think it's I Me Mine. Okay. Um, but For You Blue, while we talk about that quick parenthetical thought, watching Paul McCartney sing that and All Things Must Pass in that concert for George, 
makes me very emotional because it almost feels like it's Paul acknowledging retrospectively the brilliance of George Harrison because these are songs Paul was dismissive of all these songs. Paul was part of the reason All Things Must Pass wasn't on a Beatles album. Yeah. And to hear him sing that and to hear him sing For You Blue um, have always gotten me. There's some of my favorite Paul... I've seen Paul McCartney live, I think... 15 times. Oh, wow. I, di- I, didn't, I didn't see him live in this concert for George, of course, the one night at Royal Albert Hall. But the video of it makes me weepy because Paul paying tribute to George, there's no better way than to hear him sing his songs, right? And it just, yeah. it, 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 it gets me every time it really does. each other tony and that's the thing i think people sometimes forget with the squabbling and the bickering and the beatles is they loved each other yeah we focus on that yeah but ultimately yeah clearly they loved each other and that's why after day in the life the 95 version of free as a bird is probably the second best beatles song (laughs) 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 i do love free as a bird I love how fucking George Martin's ears were shot. He wasn't allowed to produce it. And then 10 years later, he's doing the love soundtrack. Like, they fucked George Martin in the, the Threedles reunion. Like, oh, George is deaf. He can't do this. Let's bring in ELO. And then 10 years later, like, well, maybe George can do love. So that, that, that whole thing just drives me crazy. So, yeah, man, Apple Scrubs is great. And then you get to the song about the previous owner of Friar Park. Yes, the sir. ballad of Sir Frankie Crisp, which is a great song and so well recorded, yeah, and so well sung. It's haunting. It's beautiful. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I think this is my uh, Wawa's my favorite. This is my secret favorite. Okay, I, I love this secret song. favorite. Is <laughs> <laughs> that weird? No, I like it. That should be. We're, we should keep that. That'll be a segment we do. <laughs> Watch the needles. There. Uh... <laughs> oh, I love this song. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It appeals to me. I I tend to like the songs that are a little more obscure or whatever that is. I know Phil Spector said like, "Hey, if you change the words around, you know, people might cover this song more because you know." So right. So the owner of Friar Park was this eccentric dude, Sir Frankie Crisp. I guess he was some kind of a lawyer or a horticulturist or something. But he would have these statues that were like goofy, bad jokes. And he'd have these little inscriptions in the wall that had little um, homilies on them. And he just seemed like a, a nutty dude. Find me where you 
So yeah, so George kind of took some of these things that were inscribed in the walls and turned them into lyrics. And I like the tune of this song. I, I don't mind this the spectery crap on it as much as I do on other songs, such as Wawa. Uh-huh. And um, it works on this one. It makes it more haunting. Yeah, yeah. And each time he sings "Let It Roll" to end the chorus, Tony. He ends in a minor chord once. He resolves it once. He ends it on a different chord progression every time, which is really fucking cool, too. I I, I love this one. Yeah, it's tricky that way. I like it. In fact, when they came out with one of the most one episode we're going to do one day, and I know I'm more nerdy about the issues in vinyl than you are, but one of the most egregious, and Kathy Lee... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one of the most one of the most egregious non-vinyl reissues they made a George Harrison compilation in I think the early uh, early 2010s called Let It Roll Songs of George Harrison yeah and only on CD it calls for a double album and to name the album after the song a Harrison compilation is a testament to how the songs looked at from Olivia and Danny. That to me is a window in how Olivia and Danny look at the song. Danny, of course, being um, George's son, only yeah. son, and uh, Olivia being George's wife um, post Patty. And um, to name the compilation the greatest hits album after the song to me just shows how that family reveres the song. And it's always even before that I loved it, but that kind of kicked it up a notch to me. Everybody's tied up in a solid state Nobody's without twin reverb Everybody's in control of his own fate Nobody can make it off the curb Another cool thing about this song, so originally it was it was demoed on that Beware of Abco as Everybody Nobody, and it had a different set of lyrics. And in those lyrics, he's, he mentions uh, solid state and twin reverb, uh, which is funny because he also, you know, had wah-wah. Like, I like he had these songs that were about, like, you know, guitar technology and solid state amplifiers, twin reverb fender amplifiers. It's all a tribute to Magic Alex, Holmes. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get to Magic Alex because you know that's him on fucking I Remember Jeep. <laughs> I, I know it, too. <laughs> Fuck that third album. We'll get to that in a minute. So love that song. And I love that next, the song after it as well, Awaiting on You All. Another joyous one. It is one of my favorite solo Beatles songs and it is another one where the version on concert for Bangladesh is yes. perfect, and this version is also perfect. It is they are two uh, two perfect versions of one perfect George Harrison song, and it does get a little too religious for me. I mean, look, I'm I I am a Jew who is probably living his life mostly like a Buddhist 
who's also an atheist is kind of how I define my spirituality. That's cool. I like, I dig that. I dig that. I love Jewish culture. I love what Judaism stands for. It's one of the reasons I fucking hate Stephen Miller and Kushner so much. Yeah, what the Because fuck? all the shit, sorry, <laughs> political moment. Uh, uh, you know, the no, Holocaust was less I'm, than 100 years ago. Right. And to, to be part of policies which separate families is selling your Jewish history. It is a Freudian bargain. And they've ended up on the wrong side of fucking history. I want to get that, make that very clear. Yeah. So I'm a Jew first, I'm a Buddhist second, and I'm an atheist third. That might make no sense, but it's how I feel. <laughs> this song's a little religious for me, but the joy, the melody, the performance of Awaiting on You All, this is to me one of the great moments in solo Beatles history, without question. Yeah, it's also incredibly pop. It's incredibly catchy. I wrote down that it uh, it sounds like a commercial for Hare Krishna breakfast cereal. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like Good Morning, Good Morning was a commercial yeah. for Kellogg. It's a similar yeah. to callback. And then there's a little dig on John and Yoko in there, too. Yep. Uh, right from the start. You don't need no lovin'. Uh-huh. Don't need no bedpan. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the whole Toronto hotel stuff is what that's referring to. Yeah. I thought that was a very, that's a funny, like, that's a funny dig. And it's so funny that John didn't come after George, you know, later on. He had George play on How Do You Sleep, but George was digging it on him. But I guess Lennon didn't care about that. Maybe he probably couldn't hear it through all that goddamn reverb. <laughs> right. Thanks to Phil Spector. Lennon didn't know his big insult. You don't need love in. The Bangladesh version where I love, he goes, you don't need no. And then there's nothing. And he goes, you don't need no. He kind of lets, he lets the space fill in the lyrics. Yeah. And to me, what a cool choice because it's almost like in the Bangladesh version, Tony, George knew he was preaching on this, on the recorded version and took, took lyrics out to let the audience decide. Think for yourself. Ah. It's like he let the audience think for themselves <laughs> in that moment. It's one of the reasons I've always loved that sweet Bangladesh version. This is one of my favorite moments of any solo Beatles. I just, just adore it. Yeah, it's a good song, man. And then side three closes with the title cut, All Things Must Pass. Uh, on the Dave Dexter version, it's see Leap Dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, Leap Dick. Una brum and brum. <laughs> By the way, Dave Dexter loves the production on this record. <laughs> <laughs> More echo. I'm coming to you from hell. More echo. And tell the Beach Boys pet sounds will never sell. <laughs> More Mike Love. Somebody write me Kokomo. <laughs> Get me John Stamos. <laughs> Fuck you, Dave Dexter. 
Um, yeah, man, All Things Must Pass to me, and it's another one. I mentioned this a few minutes ago, but hearing McCartney singing at the concert for George is glorious. This song to me, it's an epitaph. It's a metaphor. It might not be George's best song, but it's easily one of his most significant. Yeah, I understand the importance of this song. I think I just wish I liked the tune itself more. I get it. It's not my favorite. And honestly, I do get why the Beatles didn't tackle it with Let It Be. Um, I have heard this version, the Let It Be Beatles versions, where they're working it out. Because I think they try it a few times. And every time they do it, it's just so, it's it's like a funeral dirge to me. It's like. It's plotting. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like how they must have felt at Twickenham. It feels like Twickenham to me at, in January with the dis- winter of discontent. So that's why I'm like, yeah, I think I like For You Blue. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> For You Blue and I Mean Mine actually make a lot more sense on that record. Uh, I could mm-hmm. see that, like, I, I, I do wish that George did have a more like important song on that let it be, which was their last record released. Yeah. I, you know, but maybe something more along the lines of hear me Lord or something else, you know, I've always, if I can just interject for a second, Tony, I've always loved, I mean, mine so much that to me, that feels like an important statement. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. and, And because of, of the, the message of the song, and the directness of the song, it was covered. Britt Daniel of Spoon, who's right. a, another pretty good band. Britt Daniel covered it a few years ago for a George concert that Danny Harrison organized. And Britt, uh, he does he does a great job of. I mean, it's not it's not revelatory, but he does. It's a it's a solid cover. And it kind of reminded me that, yeah, I mean, mine is important. I mean, mine is George speaking his truth in a song that feels minor, but deceptively so. It's not minor. I think it's significant. Yeah, you're right. I might be clouded by the image of John, you know, mockingly uh, dancing with Yoko to the song. The waltz. The Uh waltz is what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I might have that in my head about it. Oh, Lennon. (laughs) Oh, John. I get tired. Flipping the record over yet again, side four of six, uh, opens with, uh, I like this song. It's called I Dig Love. Uh, a lot of people kind of think it's one of the weaker songs on the record. I get that. What do you think? 
I think side four is where all things must pass begins to wear off a little for me because side th- there's almost a white album thing here, Tony, for me, and that side three is so significant and side four, while not bad by any means, side four of all things must pass a little like side four of the white album. Parts of it feel a bit perfunctory, and I don't know what that word means. <laughs> so I'm just going to say it. Well, it means to perfunct. Perfunct. Make my funk the P-funk. I want to get perfunctoried up. Oh, dude. George Clinton. George Clinton. Bill Clinton. Newt Gingrich. One night. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, my God. Fuck all those people, by the way. They all have Well, not George problems. Clinton, but yeah. <laughs> you... Dude, George Clinton fucked an intern under the White House desk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but can you imagine Doobie in your funk? (laughs) (laughs) P.U. Oh, wait. Oh, no. What happened? Wait a second here. You don't have to front on me, bitch. Don't front on me, motherfucker. <laughs> NWA covering parliament. Find me a Beatles podcast that does that shit. You can't do it. Um, yeah, man, I Dig Love to Me is is fine and nice and great. The following, like, All Things Must Pass feels like an album closer. And I know you can't end an album after three sides, but side three is so powerful and so majestic That basically up until Hear Me Lord, side four and then sides five and six we'll get into briefly in a moment, it doesn't feel as necessary or as important. So I Dig Love is another song about sex, ostensibly, right? Yeah, it's it's like less spiritual, (laughs) for sure. Yeah, it's more direct. It's a little twangy. Yeah. And it's a little repetitive. Do, 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 do. You know. Do, 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 God bless do. it. I, I, I don't hate it, but. Yeah. I like the drumming on it, maybe. The drumming's great. Yeah. It's fun. And it, uh, this is where the actually the reverb works on the drums because uh, it's single stroke work. There's, I think, one instance where there's a roll happening, and that's where it, the reverb fucks it. Um, yeah, a little bit. It sounds like a blob, but. Uh, there's like a schoolhouse rocks quality to the chorus of this song that I, I quite like. I feel like, like oh, I'm learning about vowels and uh, <laughs> open relationships. <laughs> Small love, big love. I don't care. Don't yeah, it's, me. yeah, it is. Yeah, it's up. Yeah. Plays that opposites thing. And you pass a bill by sending <laughs> it through the house. Like, all right. <laughs> Yes, I guess ultimately it is not one of the one of the like masterpieces on this record. But I, I, I dig this song. I think it's fun. It's it's fine. And then Art of Dying, I feel like is 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 a good song. Oh, this song and is I, wild, I, don't you think? I, I love the way it's performed. I love the horns at the beginning. It's one of the most crazy songs on the album. It it it, it feels like if this were a two record set, this would be a B side and a great one. Yeah, but yeah. it just it's 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 excessive. It's manic. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Art of dying and the lyrics are kind of cool. And in fact, 
the demo version of this where it's just him with... Is it an acoustic or an electric underwear of Abco? I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind for a second. I think it's acoustic because I wrote down AC version. Yes, it, it, uh, I, I think so. The acoustic version I far prefer because it's, it feels more meditative. This one feels a bit more kind of glam rock crazy, yeah. which I don't, again, I don't hate it, but you know, it's a long album. And by this point you're getting a little bit sensitive. <laughs> All right. So I'll, I'll push back a little bit. I like the excitement of this song. First of all, it sounds like Oh, did George Harrison just invent disco? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's got kind of a proto-disco feel. What a great point. a lot they sound like this is an obscure reference forgive me but there's this texas psych band from the late 60s called the bubble puppy (laughs) and they had a wild weird hit called hot smoke and sassafras but this song sounds like one of the songs from their album i have seen your place But this song, yeah, I, I dig it. I like it. I think it adds an element of caffeine into what can be sometimes a, a mellow record. And actually, he had this song back in 66. It's about reincarnation. Yeah. I like it. But yeah, I, I agree that, honestly, man, it it should have been a three-sider. I think you're right. Yeah. And then, if anything, do the Apple Jams on, on side four because, or excuse me, on, yeah, on side four, because what comes next is a fine and pleasant version, too, of Isn't It a Pity. But Isn't It a Pity, while I love, is already long. Yeah. So version two of Isn't It a Pity just feels... This is the problem with these these huge double and triple album sets, is that is it? I don't hate version two of Isn't It a Pity, but is it necessary? Do you need to hear it? Yeah, that's my one-word review of it. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, especially when l- later we see that he, what did he have in his pocket? I would have preferred to hear I Live For You right here. Put yeah, that in there. I can't believe I Live For You wasn't included on this record. And if you buy the CD or maybe stream it, that's one of the bonus tracks from 01 that's finally included. And I Live For You. And that's another kind of Pete Drake steel guitar kind of yeah country yeah. fest. It's, it's just a better song. Not a thing in this world do I own. Sadness from all that has grown In this darkness I wait for the day
Yeah, it's a better song. It's it's a side two song, but I think it could play in side four just as well in this in this slot. Um, but I will say, "Hear Me, Lord," and the piano the piano which leads with the song. This song is a classic. Yeah, "Hear Me, Lord" to me is a bit like a cousin to "Let It Down," and that it's it's an anthem. It is spiritual. It's emotional, and it's performed so well. When the band drop, I've always loved. I think of like 14-year-old me when I heard this, I think for the first time, 13 or 14-year-old me, when the band drops out on Above and Below Us, just grabbed my musical soul. And to me, this one is one of the great songs of the album, and it ends what I think you call the proper album. No offense to Apple Jam. Yeah, this is a great song. I love it. It's one of my favorites on the record. Me too. And it's one that you can sing along with in the car or wherever you're listening, the shower, whatever it is, and you can like harmonize along with it and create your own harmony, you know, that you don't hear on the record because it lends itself with the repetition. Um, I liken it a lot to that. Do you know that Neil Young song, Words? Between the lines of age. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, there's. It's to me, it was in. It's a cut of the same cloth. It. I like the song in the same way with the repetition and. Uh, yeah, and again, like I'm like you. I am also. I'm an atheist, and yeah. I'm not a very spiritual person. But a song like "Hear Me, Lord," I get, and it doesn't make me feel like oh, that weird feeling I get whenever I hear. <laughs> Amy Grant or something, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, you know, <laughs> Jars of Clay or whatever. Fuck you, Michael McDonald and Ted Templeton. <laughs> Ted Templeton, the third, the third baseman for the New York Mets in 1986. That no, was Ray Knight. Now batting uh, Ted Templeton. <laughs> Can I tell you, hold on, this yeah, is please. this is apropos of absolutely nothing, and I've decided we're making this a two-parter, so yes, don't worry about it. I decided it. that about <laughs> 10 minutes ago, so we're on the same fucking page. I went to a minor league baseball game a few years ago, and this is my favorite baseball player I've ever heard of my name. Now batting, the third baseman, Reed Frank. <laughs> 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 Frank or Frog? Frank, Reed Frank. Look him up. I and he did. He had a good game that night. I uh... make my Frank the Reed Frank. I want to get Franked up. <laughs> 
second George Clinton reference. <laughs> second one. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. <laughs> so as I was saying, I'm yeah. not secular, but read Frank. <laughs> I am secular. Oh, I'm too secular for this podcast. This is I'm doing bits from '91 right now. Speaking of bits from '91, please hammer. Don't hurt him. Um, yeah, th- this to me, and this should be the album closer, Tony. And yet, with all due respect, and again, this the people who contributed to this album are some of like the biggest bands of the early '70s. Derek and the Dominoes, whose Layla album will always be one of my favorite non-Beatles albums ever. Um, Delaney and Bonnie, uh, all these incredible performers. Peter Frampton was on this record. Phil Collins, Ray Cooper, uh, so many great artists. The jams on the Apple Jam album, which on the CD issue are tacked on to CD2, which is kind of unfortunate because part of the experience of this album needs to be heard with three distinct records. Yeah, The jams on this album, they don't suck they're not badly performed, no. but they're a waste of <laughs> fucking time. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Wait, th- there are millions of copies of this record where album three has no scratch marks on it. <laughs> album three was played once. But like, ah, you know, I think I'm good. Yeah. I don't think I need to. I'm going to put. I'm going to put on Zeppelin two. Yeah. I don't think I need to hear this record anymore. Yeah. And that's what's that's what's funny, right? Is that this extra disc, sides five and six. In George's mind, it was like a gift. It was like, here's an extra gift, you know? <laughs> but we're all like, uh, I don't want <laughs> It's almost like we, it's like what you two did on iTunes. <laughs> Here's, here's something weird I want to bring up. I've done no research on this because I'm a pro, Tony. The original <laughs> vinyl issues I have of this, both the original Apple and the 1983 issue, has its Johnny's birthday coming in the middle of the disc. Yes. I think it starts. Uh, so do you know why for the CD issues they changed it to open with its Johnny's birthday, which makes way more sense. Yes. But on the vinyl reissues, it's Chinese birthday was sandwiched in the middle, and the jam starts kind of out of nowhere. Do you do you know why? What I know is that George put it in the sequence he originally wanted to for the reissue. As to why the original starts off with "Out of the Blue," right? Is how it's yeah, yeah. Not the John Lennon song from '74. No. no. <laughs> I don't know why that decision was made because out of all the jams, out of the blue is my least favorite. Oh, it's just it's plotting. All the jams are plotting. There's very not plotting, but plotting. There's very little going on in them to justify the 28 minutes or so they take up. It's just not it's not bad music, but it's not good music. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, um I I, I know what you mean. Out of the blue I wrote down long, boring, and endless. It does end after 11 minutes and 14 seconds, but <laughs> right. it feels, feels endless. And I like yeah. songs like, what do you call it? Uh, Echoes by Pink Floyd or Adam Hartmother, like these 30-minute things. 
Well, Echoes, but the build in Echoes, I mean, that's one of my, that's on metal, I think. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah, that came out like shortly after this. It's one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs, yeah. So, yeah, it's not about the length, it's just about what happens. And to me, out of the blue, nothing happens. Um, it's Johnny's birthday is just nutty and weird and psychotic and thankfully short. <laughs> I love how it speeds up and slows down, and it's, I love that one. I, I used to put that on mixes. <laughs> So that was for John Lennon's 30th birthday. Uh, it's, 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 it's a fun gesture. I mean, yeah, this disc, these extra discs, it feels like a fan club record that you just had to get. That's part of it. You know, it probably maybe should have been like one of those limited like to 500 copies thing. Order now. P.O. Box 719, <laughs> New York City, Fifth <laughs> Avenue. And- <laughs> Grand Central Station. <laughs> 10101. Um so yeah, that's that. I, I I will say this. I like actually I like Plug Me In. It's fun in like a bar band way. There's this before the pandemic, I used to go here in LA, there's this bar called the Hideaway that's up in the the mountains in a place called Kegel Canyon. <laughs> Insert <laughs> Insert Kegel. Hey, Kegel Canyon. <laughs> and uh, but Kegel Canyon, no, the time has come. <laughs> Second night rage parody. It's this, <laughs> it's this group. It's this cool bar, and like people ride horses up there. Like, you, like there are people that come in on a horse, <laughs> not into the bar in a horse, but they'll they'll. <laughs> They'll park their horse just outside the bar and go. What and is have this a- fucking paint your wagon? <laughs> Who's coming into a bar on a horse? Exactly, man. It's L.A. It's L.A. This is what I like about L.A. It's like <laughs> you can do everything here. But there's these like there's these great musicians that come and shred like on Sundays at 5 p.m. Or they used to, you know. And I would go there and I would love it. I would love it. Anyway, that's what this that's what plug me in feels like. It's just fun. Whatever. One four five blues forever. But it's fun because there's an energy. Uh, Tony, listen, man, I consider myself like a diehard Beatle. I, I mean, I'm not like there's Beatle fans, I think, a notch or two notches above us, right? There's, I think you and I are like, we're diehards, but there's, it's like, we're not Mark Lewisham. We're not right. Kevin Howlett. We're not, we're not Robert Rodriguez. There's people who we're not Rodriguez. Know, right. Right. There's people who know wait, you and I are like B plus Beatles fans. Right. I've had this album since 1984, 85. You could put a fucking gun to my head and I could not tell you the difference between thanks for the fucking pepperoni. And I remember Jeep. You could put them on. I'd be oh, like, I is can. that from, is, is it from Wonderwall music? <laughs> is that from, from Paul McCartney's The Family Way soundtrack? I would have no idea. I wouldn't. Well, those are very honest. different. All right. Well, I'll tell you the difference. So I remember Jeep. So Plug Me In is just like bar band fun. That's shorter. I remember Jeep's a little long. And so is Thanks for the Pepperoni. But uh, <laughs> I remember Jeep. That's the one that I feel like, oh, is Magic Alex on this record? Oh, <laughs> like, right. With the electronic That's wizardry. Right. It sounds like he's fighting uh, C-3PO or whatever, buying a droid <laughs> from the Jawas. <laughs> Jeep. 
and Ginger Baker's in there. That's just the record where Ginger Baker's on it. And you can tell he's like an auxiliary drummer because he's hitting all the weird accents that are like, what is happening for a minute? So <laughs> that's I Remember Jeep. And then Thanks for okay. the Pepperoni, which, by the way, is a um, it's a Lenny Bruce reference. Okay. Uh, yeah, it came off a comedy record he did. It's it's during a routine he he called Religions Incorporated. Yeah, we got some people on our side. We got Scatman Crothers and Stephen Fisher. <laughs> Don't do no good. No, but we're, yes, that's why I called you. What are we gonna do? <laughs> sure, that's easy for you to say. You're over there. Yeah, I know. And thanks for the pepperoni. But the thanks for the pepperoni, that's the one that's like all Chuck Berry style. Right. The kind of 50s. Okay. That yeah, makes sense. That's that one with the burning and burning, you know, whatever. It all feels, it's uh, in my Beatles head, it's like side two of live peace in Toronto. Yeah. I can't, yeah. It's just like, Without the wailing. Is, is this Don't Worry Kyoko? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> just yeah. one of those things. I don't yeah. know. No, it's, and I get, I'm totally with you. I am actually, I am not a jam band guy, so that's who I am. And, uh, and here's the thing. I wish I was. Honestly, yeah. do I want to sit around and be steamed when the band can't get out of E <laughs> for 28 fucking minutes? No. <laughs> no, I wish I did. I wish I liked it. I wish I liked that pop music that you hear at the fucking supermarket. But I hate it. It makes me <laughs> That's why I listen to podcasts now when I shop. Yeah, I've <laughs> I, I've gotten weird, and some of this I'm going to blame on having a kid. But like, there's a lot more pop music I've been listening to lately. Oh yeah, and um, you know, some of, because I, you know, having a kid, like I don't want to be the dad who's intransigent. I don't want to be the dad who misses yeah. out on because there were dads in the '60s who heard the Beatles and went, "Grr, I don't like Hard Day's Night. Give me, give me Rachmaninoff or whatever." You know, right? Like, Get those guys a haircut. And and I, I don't want to be like guys. I'm trying to be open, but yeah, like. You know, it, it's still funny to me how like the new bands I listen to are like the new Jeff Tweedy album. You know? And as we wrap today, Tony, and this is one of my favorite episodes because what a great, I mean, to dive into all things must pass and to do it for homework was, was brilliant and gorgeous. And I'm so glad we got to do this. Yeah. Um, you are a big Ann Murray guy. Is that <laughs> fair to say that you're... <laughs> No. I cried a tear. <laughs> you wiped it dry. Is no, that right? No. So what it was? So when I was a kid, my mom had the Anne Murray's Greatest Hits record, which is like just the cover art is just a picture of her, and she's wearing a mink coat, I think. <laughs> but the way the coat. Whatever she's wearing is the same color as the background behind her, and I never knew she was wearing a coat. So. Where where the lapels go, it makes it look like she's got a neck that gets thinner and thinner as it goes down. I thought she had this like 
scary neck. I thought she had like a, <laughs> a beast's neck <laughs> and it freaked me out. I would put like Neil Diamond's The Jazz Singer in front of it, you know, so I wouldn't look at it. <laughs> if you need to be comforted by Neil Diamond's The Jazz Singer, you, you, you know you're By the way, uh, love on the uh, rocks. <laughs> ain't no surprise. A little trivia for you. Pete Townsend wrote Don't Let Go of the Coat about Ann Murray's greatest hits. <laughs> Speaking of boring towns and stuff. Don't song. let go the go. Um, I do like Did You Steal My Money? Uh, Did You Steal My Money? That's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, I mean, any final assessments? Like uh, I mentioned at the outset of our nine part podcast, that uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you, you've got RAM above it. I, I certainly have RAM in my mix too, but I think, you know, there's other, like my favorite George Harrison song of all time, one that. One of my first Beatle memories, one that stuck with me, one that we had our Beatles cover band at our wedding learn how to play, and they thanked us for it, Tony. My favorite George Harrison song of all time, even to think about it will make me weep, is Blow Away. To me, there's no song that touches my heart, maybe more than any song in the world, than George Harrison's Blow Away. Now, that was seven years, I think seven or eight years after All Things Must Pass came out. So George Harrison still had some great, important songs, but he never, ever was able to outdo himself with what he did on this album. It's a great one. It's a great one. Um, yeah, it's out there. It's streaming. Pick it up. It's. I mean, I have seen this thing at every record store I've been to since, <laughs> whatever, 1980, whatever. So you could probably find it cheap um, in a record store, too. Uh, wear a mask. Yeah, yeah wear a fucking mask. Yeah. Yeah, and be safe and do the social distance thing. Anyway, not to get that. Peace, but. No more peace and love. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and uh, wear a mask, be safe. This is the Untitled Beatles podcast. Next, a word from our sponsor. Kick it! Uh, 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 no, no sponsor. <laughs> fuck! Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. 